The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care. With guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm so pleased that you've joined us today. So what is our subject for today? So let me give you an example. Someone says, Ugh, no one else will ever want you. Or, you know, you're just stupid. You're just stupid. You know, you're just never going to amount to anything. Or, uh, you know, the problem is it's just you're too sensitive. I mean, really, I could say this to anyone else and they would never respond, but you're just like too, too sensitive. So all of these phrases have one thing in common, and that is their signs of verbal and or emotional abuse. And they're all meant to intimidate and control. In the first part of our show today, we'll be focused on verbally abusive relationships and controlling people, followed by examining the elements of emotional abuse, including the nice girl syndrome. We'll be talking to our experts about how do you really recognize the signs of verbal and emotional abuse, and then how do you move forward? How do you get out of it to an abuse-free life? Our first guest is Patricia Evans, and she is the author of Verbally Abusive Relationship, How to Recognize It and How to Respond. Patricia has appeared on The Oprah Show, CNN, and many, many other national TV shows. And Newsweek has called her book, and I quote, groundbreaking. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Patricia. Well, thank you very much. I'm very glad to be able to be here and share some insights into uh, what verbal abuse is and how it affects people and why it's so important that we know what it is. Well, it's you know, I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that because I think that it, it's very easy to convince ourselves that what someone says to us is really not abuse. I mean, I've had people in treatment, in therapy with me who will say, ah, oh, you know, everyone gets angry, everyone has arguments, you know, maybe maybe it's okay. So, Patricia, what really is verbal abuse? Verbal abuse is a negative definition of you told to you or told to other people about you, and it defines you and your inner reality. It tells you what you are, think, feel, need, want, should do, no, don't know, and so forth. So if someone says you are 
They're telling you what you are. You're crazy, stupid, B, C words, terrible things. Um, they're defining you. And if someone is telling, also if they're saying you are too sensitive, they're defining you in a negative way. But then beyond that, people may say, oh, you just want to argue, you want to start a fight, you want to be right, you want to win. These are things that the target of these words has probably never thought in a million years that they want to be right or they want to win or any of this. They are being defined. And the other person who's saying this is virtually saying, I'm irrational. I am pretending to be your maker or God. I'm pretending to be you. I'm telling you what you want. I'm telling you what you think. I'm telling you what you feel. Like you're not tired. You don't care. So one of the things to notice is that Verbal abuse often starts with the word you. So if someone says you anything, unless they say, oh, you look great today, a positive thing is okay. But if there's a negative definition of you, you're hearing verbal abuse. And I want to point out something that I've heard from many thousands of people. And a vast majority say, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what. In other words, they knew something was wrong because they didn't feel comfortable in the relationship. They didn't feel happy. They were starting to get depressed. They were searching for, what am I doing wrong? But I want you to know something that's very important. You can't make a person verbally abuse you. Now, if you hit somebody with something really hard and they said, stop, you're a B-I-T-C-H, you could understand it if it was some really extraordinary event. But basically, in everyday life, you can't make someone verbally abuse you. So it's not your fault. It has nothing to do with you. It's aimed at you like a drive-by shooting. It's not your fault. You can't make it happen. I, Mm -hmm. I I think that a very common perception of abuse, especially verbally abuse, verbal abuse, is that this is a woman's problem, all right? Is, is that so? Well, more women experience it than men do, but more men experience it in their childhoods from their fathers in general. But it can happen. A mother can be very abusive, too. But in general, the most general, most common thing is that more women experience it in relationships by far than men do from their wives. But in childhood, more men experience it usually from their fathers with comments like, you'll never amount to anything, you're hopeless, you're doing it all wrong, you don't know what you're doing, you should have done better. Why didn't you do this or that? So they could be criticized and ridiculed and put down almost daily if they have a very, very controlling father. That's very common. And it's not like they copy those words and then tell their wives, oh, you're hopeless, you'll never amount to anything. No, what, they do, what happens is they lose their ability to be receptive their abilities to be nurturing, they lose their emotional intelligence, they lose some of their sensate awareness if they're 
pushed around a lot. They'll say, I'm not hurt when they're hurt and so forth. So it ends up that there's so much of them that's lost within and not allowed to grow as they mature. They don't become emotionally intelligent. They more or less have blocked off their emotions. And what happens is that all the lost parts of them coalesce together. They stay in their unconscious. But a day comes along when they feel that they have securely are with a partner. Usually it's right after marriage. And then they project this whole lost self into their partner. And then she is their warm, soft, receptive, nurturing, emotionally intelligent, intuitive self. And then she's the rest of him. She's an extension of his mind. She's supposed to know what he wants. He'll say things like, you knew what I meant. Because she'll say, what did you mean? Why did you do that? You know what I meant. You know what I want. Which nobody knows unless you tell them. So the constant defining of another person shows a great absence of, of wholeness in the person doing it. There's something totally missing. And so one has to be aware when you're with a person, it may start to show up before marriage or before committed relationships, but it will often show up as soon as the person who indulges in verbal abuse feels very secure. So one might say, well, why would he put down this partner that he feels is very securely loves him? Well, he puts her down because she doesn't match the projection of his lost self. In other words, she's not being an extension of his mind, and she's not making him feel whole and complete. She's not being the rest of him. She's not doing what he thinks she should be doing or saying what he thinks she should be saying. But it's such an unconscious level, <clears throat> he's not really even thinking about it. He just knows that suddenly he feels attacked because but she's Patricia, all excited about something and he sees her as a whole person and part of him disappears, the part that's supposed to be him within her. Uh, so I was not going to, this was not one of my planned questions, but now since we've gotten into this topic I, mm-hmm. this way, I, I guess I have two comments. I mean, mm-hmm. one is I have worked with women who see this before they marry someone, all right, mm-hmm. and they think these men will change. So mm-hmm. hold the, hold your thought for a minute, but I, I'd like you to comment on the probability, all right, mm-hmm. of uh, of the uh, people changing um, these patterns well, that have been established at a yeah. very early point you know and the yeah. other thing is that I've spoken to women who feel like whatever the problem is that this man is um, or woman feels as though they're having that they are responsible um, for mm-hmm. taking care of this problem um, and in effect becoming their therapist uh, even, yeah, even though they're not they can help him They think they can explain. They think that he will change if he could just understand this. But remember, this comes from a part of the abuser. I'll say abuser, the person indulging in abuse at the time. It comes from a part of him being missing, just missing, in his unconscious, unintegrated, 
not emotionally intelligent, not deeply centered in himself, projected over into his partner. And you can't explain enough to have him change because he would have to have very intensive trauma therapy to work through all the events of his childhood so he could integrate himself, know how he really felt, know what his feelings are, and then begin to grow his emotional intelligence. Otherwise, uh, you might meet some people who will say just what you want, they think you want to hear. They'll say one thing to one person, they'll say another thing to another person, and they'll abuse another person. And so there's nothing centered, and there's no core, there's no moral compass within them. And when a woman thinks, well, he'll change if I love him enough, he'll change if I explain to him this bothers me, that's a fallacy. You can't, a person, I've rarely, I've ever seen a man change by willpower alone. He generally has to have some intensive therapy. And if he has uh, a problem with alcohol or some other addiction, uh, a drug problem, he has to be cured of those things too. He has to be able to be clean and sober and then begin to work on what is going on within him. But one of the things that helps a little bit is for him to see that it is completely irrational. It's not even saying to tell another person what they are, what they think, what they want, what they're doing, what they should do, what they need. No, Pat, no. Patricia, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to have, we have to go to break. When, as soon okay. as we come back, okay. I want you to continue. And when you come, when we come back, I want to ask you a question about uh, dating violence and then specific types of abuse and some responses. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. 
The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We're here talking to Patricia Evans, um, Mm -hmm. author of Mm -hmm. Verbally Abusive Relationship and also Controlling People, How to Recognize, Understand, and Deal with People Who Try to Control You. So, Patricia, you have an interesting statement in your book, and that is that one in three adolescent girls are the victims of abuse with a significant increase in dating violence. And I want to tell you, I actually found that very confusing because there's so much education now about saying no and about date rape. I I really found it surprising that there would still be an increase in dating violence. Yeah, these are national statistics from domestic violence uh, centers and so forth, research centers. And um, I think that... um, it's like anything set in motion, a system of control going back through ancient times to teaching uh, men or boys to be soldiers, to not feel, to not intuit, to not look within, watch out for the enemy, and so forth, and to uh, ignore their fears and have no fear. And so forth. They can become so disconnected over generation upon generation upon generation that fathers can teach sons you're not hurt you've got nothing to cry about and that kind of thing which sounds so ordinary but over time i think a system set in motion of being disconnected in charge and in control going down from father to son can end up showing up in teens and young people's dating because suddenly this young man or sometimes a woman but 98% of it I think is is uh, a, a woman suffering from somebody being abusive and I want all the women to know if you're dating somebody when they are supposed to be so to speak at their best they're supposed to be courting you they're supposed to be showing you their best side I don't mean they should hide a negative side but they are usually at their best when they're courting you. And if they're getting angry at you, if they're yelling at you, if they're hitting you, anything like that, never go out with that person again. And really know that in a healthy relationship, neither person defines the other. Neither person says, 
oh, you're a wimp, you're too sensitive, you're, you want to argue, you don't know what you're talking about, you're jumping to conclusions, you're trying to start a fight. Neither person says that to the other person because they feel, they feel strange. I'm not that person. I don't know what that person's thinking. I don't know what they want. I don't know what they're doing. All I know is they're saying something I don't want to hear. That's fine. You can tell them. But to uh, define the other person's inner world, to tell somebody what they are, is really irrational. And some people, a man who runs a men's program, said it's insane. It's not sane to tell another person what they are, think, feel, need, want. And it's not sane to try to control them by hitting them and hurting them. So if you're with somebody who has any of these patterns, somebody might get upset once in your whole relationship and say and maybe yell, I can see the car, don't tell me a car is coming, or, or I can see the parking place, I don't want you to tell me what to do. The other person says, oh, sorry, okay, I'll never tell you what, where to park. Okay, and it's settled. But there's no resolution in an abusive relationship whatsoever. There's no resolution, and if you express anything, like I was concerned when you were a couple hours late, I didn't know if I should keep dinner ready, and the other person blows up at you, you're not in a good relationship. And a, a person can't just become a whole person overnight. They can't just change. They may appear to change. They may say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and court you back. And the second you come back to an abusive relationship, thinking everyone's changed, it's all okay now, and you come back, you're going to be abused even more worse. You're going to be abused more than you were before because the unconscious of the abuser says, oh, I've been chosen now. This person's chosen me now. They've come back. It's an even safer harbor for the rest of me. And they will project into you so deeply that they could just be angry at the way you walk across the room because you're not walking like their projection or you're not saying what their projection's saying at the moment or you're not, you're not being the rest of them. You're not making them feel whole and complete. So abuse is an irrational thing. It has nothing to do with you. If someone doesn't like something you're doing, they might say, oh, please don't do that anymore. It really bothers me, you know, when you, uh, whatever, you know, scrape the screen when you're washing it while I'm on the phone and it makes too much noise or something. I can't even think of what it would be. But if you hear something that you don't like and you say, please don't do that, okay, that's, what, that's not abuse. That's a request. How are you Patricia, is a request. Uh-huh. I, I, ha- I have to ask you, but, um, and and yeah. that is so. If you're not, if you're dating this person, it would seem to me that it would be easy to get out. You just stop dating them. But but yeah. what if you're married much to this person? Than in a marriage, oh, in a marriage, it's very very difficult because, especially if you have children together. If you have children together, then very often if you leave or say you wanted, you know, you get a divorce, never, 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 if you're a woman, ask your husband for a divorce. Go file it and have him served when you're in a safe place. Never, never ask him, May I want to get a divorce. Can we get a divorce? Because you're giving him a heads up that you're going to leave and he can be 
very, very enraged. It can be completely irrational. It can be a very dangerous time for you. So you don't need his permission. I believe every state is pretty much the same. You can go to the courthouse. You can talk to an attorney. You can file for divorce. And you can find out when he gets served and you'll be in a safe place when he gets served. That's the most important thing I can tell you. I've had several clients that I talked to several years before who ended up, of course, killed by their husbands. And one husband's in uh, maximum security. And the most beautiful, loving, kind women have lost their lives because they either, one didn't move out of state. I said, you've got to move out of state. You know, and one went back to bring him something, and I can't even say it out loud what happened to her. It's uh, it's a nightmare. Never, never say I want a divorce. Get one, and get in a safe place. And if you have children, it can be very difficult. If you can record everything going on, like making a scrapbook of the family, a family video scrapbook. How fun! And you catch him putting you down in front of the children then you have a chance to keep the children in court. But, you know, I do consulting so people can always call and find out, you know, other, what things they can do. Yeah, but it's very difficult. Don't, and if you're dating somebody, you don't need another date with that person ever. Yeah. So we only have a, a few minutes left, Patricia, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you time to talk about your contact information. But you mm-hmm. mentioned two types of abuse in your books that I think people will would never see as abuse. Um, and one of those is withholding, and the other mm-hmm. one is joking. We only have about two minutes. Do you think you could just yeah. quickly address those uh, ones? Okay, the joking one is any abuse, anything that defines you, oh, you're so silly, you're so stupid, you know, oh, I was just joking. That's not a joke. A joke is a joke. And anything that defines you could be disguised as a joke. Oh, that was just a joke. Oh, I was just being sarcastic. That's just a joke. No, it's not. It's a hurtful thing that hurts you. Okay, so that's one abuse. And then withholding means that you, uh, you know, the person you're with does not speak to you. It doesn't answer an ordinary question like... um, Do you want to have dinner at 6 or 7 tonight? And they just don't respond. Even to a normal thing, they don't talk to you. They withhold all communication. They act as if you don't exist. Now, the only time it's okay to say nothing is if you're terrified, if you're hiding in the closet, if you're, you know, trying to escape. You don't have to tell them what you're doing ever, but you don't have to talk if you're really afraid. Uh, but you, but basically in everyday life, if someone stops speaking to you, you know, that's a withholding. That's say, defining you as non-existence. That's like saying you don't deserve a, com- a response. And that's Patricia, your information has, has really been very valuable, and I think you've probably helped a lot of people. What, what is your contact you. information? Tell us about your website. Yeah, okay. Uh, my website is Verbal Abuse. That's V-E-R-B-A-L-A-B-U-S-E, verbalabuse.com. And I think you can find a lot of information there. Also, um, I have five books, and they're listed there, too. And the books 
are each different. In fact, people comment, wow, this is so different from the first book, and that's so different from the third book. But the five books cover different areas. The first one, the verbally abusive relationship, just shows you the dynamics of a verbally abusive relationship. And the second one, verbal abuse survivors speak out on relationship and recovery, is the kind of how to get to a new place within yourself to be able to be stronger and uh, ways you can discover yourself. So that's a quick follow-up to the first book. In fact, I rushed it out so people wouldn't be left wondering what to do next. Patricia, and then the third book, Controlling I- People. I thank you so much. I I can just tell you I've I've read two of the books and I thought they mm-hmm. were excellent. So I would highly recommend them. Patricia, thank Patricia Evans. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, I thank appreciate you it. so much. It's been a real pleasure. I always like to bring you new information, and so I'm very very glad. Uh, Meryl Griff, you are a wonderful person, and I thank, thank you for you. having me on. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. When we return, we'll be joined by Beverly Engel, whose subtitle on one of her books is actually Stop Being Manipulated and Abused and Start Standing Up for Yourself. It doesn't pay to always be nice. Be back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. There is a distinct connection between your physical health and your spiritual health. You would be surprised at how closely the two go hand in hand. By taking care of your body, you take care of your spirit. And it works the other way, too. Honor God with what He gave you. Listen for the Divine Wellness Academy radio program with Troy Izmir. Tune in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be inspired to use your body for God's glory. We are surrounded by crises. Domestic violence, mental health issues, rape, suicide. Often, we feel alone if we are dealing with these issues ourselves, or we feel powerless to help others who are dealing with them. You don't have to feel alone. Listen for The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope with Jessica Pirro. The show is an open forum to share and get advice from others and guest experts and begin or continue the healing process. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Merle, and welcome back to Call Between Generations. We're here now with Beverly Engel, who's the author of Breaking the Cycle of Abuse and also the Nice Girl Syndrome. She is a regular contributor to Psychology Today and has been featured in numerous, numerous uh, newspapers and magazines, including the Oprah Magazine and Marie Claire. And Beverly has conducted workshops and training throughout the United States and throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Beverly. Well, thank you for very much for having me. So... Beverly, in in the first half, as I said, we were talking about um, the various forms of verbal abuse. And although I know there's some overlap, um, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation about what really is emotional abuse. So, so what really is it? I mean, what are the forms of emotional abuse? Well, it certainly can include verbal abuse, but it also includes uh, just do- a need for domination and control. Uh, a person having abusive expectations of their partner. Uh, it involves emotional blackmail, and I can come back and, and define some of these if you want. Uh, it includes unpredictable responses and constant chaos. It includes constant criticism and character assassination. Uh, it includes something called gaslighting, and it also can include sexual harassment, even in a marriage. So why do you think people stay in abusive relationships? Well, the most common reason, um, it depends on a person's history. Um, you know, I've been accused sometimes of saying, of kind of blaming the victim, and I never intend to do that. Um, there are certainly people who come from healthy relationships, healthy families, who find themselves in an emotionally abusive relationship, Um but those people who do come from healthy relationships, healthy families, don't tend to stay in an emotionally abusive relationship as much as those who come from really unhealthy parents and unhealthy and who had unhealthy childhoods. We really do repeat what we experienced in childhood, and we repeat what we had modeled for us. So if a child grows up, you know, seeing her parents, go at each other or, or watching and observing her father or mother dominating the other and being verbally abusive and, and doing some of the things I just mentioned, uh, they're more than likely going to repeat that. We really do repeat what we've experienced. So often we hear the word neglect paired with abuse, you know, very often it just goes together, abuse and neglect that we're talking about. So what is neglect? I mean, how does that present itself in relationships? Well, in adult-child relationships, neglect, you know, is anything from a child, you know, most important damage, most significant damage is when a child is emotionally neglected. Um, that means that they don't get their emotional needs met. They don't receive validation from parents. Um, not receiving validation from parents is one of the most damaging things a child can experience, and many problems in adult relationships stem from that. And I'll give you an example of what validation is. Validation is I come home from school and I tell my mother, you know, I got bullied at school today, so-and-so picked on me or so-and-so hit me. And my mother says, 
well, what did you do to him or what did you do to her? That's not a healthy response. That's not being validated. Validated is something like a response such as, uh, I'm sorry that happened to you, honey. Please come here and let me give you a hug. Uh, and let's talk about what we can do about it, what you can do about it in the future. The parent is validating that the child had the feelings surrounding it. They're not denying the feelings. They're not blaming the child. Uh, and they're comforting the child. That's what validation is, is an acknowledgement that the feelings the child has are important. So that's a huge form of neglect. That's emotional neglect when a child does not receive that kind of validation. Um, but emotional neglect can just be, um, you know, not nurturing, not having a nurturing parent, not having much comfort, not having much love in the family. Um, it can be, again, not having any validation or acknowledgement of a child's feelings. And then there's physical neglect, of course, where the child's physical needs aren't met. So a common factor, though, in emotional abuse that you discuss is fear. I mean, how do you cope or how do you change your situation when you're fearful? Yes, that's a huge problem. Um, you know, if, if you are dependent on your partner, either emotionally or financially, um, then you're probably more likely to stay in the relationship no matter how abusive it becomes because you're afraid of being on your own. You're afraid you can't support yourself. You can't support your children. Um, you may just be emotionally dependent and don't believe anybody else will ever love you. You don't have good feelings about yourself, so you don't think you deserve better things. Uh, so that's how you know, fear can manifest itself and cause a person to stay in an abusive relationship. Do you have suggestions for how you break that cycle? Well, how you break the cycle of abuse in terms of fear would probably entail you maybe um, getting outside support. It might be uh, going to a support group or going to therapy where you can build up your sense of self and your self-confidence to begin to believe that you in fact do deserve more and that you can make it on your own. You may need the support of a group or friends to, to kind of really help build you up uh, so you can believe that you do deserve it and you can get out and make a plan so that you can get out. Let's refer, let's go back to a, a term you used before, which is gaslighting. Well, what does yes. that mean? Well, gaslighting is, um, it comes from a, a really old movie, which was a great movie. Um, it comes from the concept of when a part, one partner tries to make the other one think they're crazy or think that their perceptions are really distorted and wrong. So, say, for example, a couple goes to a party and um, the man flirts all night long with women. And when they come home, the wife says, you know, it really hurts my feelings that you flirt so much. I wish you wouldn't do it. And he says to her, I didn't flirt with anybody. What's wrong with you? Why are you seeing that? You know, you, you're always making things up. You're always imagining things. And it can go so far as to really make it, you know, horrible so that um, some partners can move objects in the house and then when the wife or the husband asks, why did you move that? And, you know, then the partner says, well, I didn't move it. What are you talking about? But it's just a real strong denial of reality or the intent of making the other person feel like they're crazy. 
So while we're talking about terms, let, let talk to me about empathy sickness, which is a term in your book. What, what, does, what does that mean? Well, it means that um, I think what you're referring to is some women in particular, it can, it can happen with men too, um, have too much empathy for other people. Abusive people tend to not have enough empathy. And when we talk about abusers, we'll talk about that. But uh, So abusive people tend not to have enough empathy. People who are codependent or people who are um, emotionally abused and they stay in the relationship tend to be too empathetic, meaning that they always think about the other person first. They always try to comfort the other person and they imagine, try to imagine what they can do to help the other person. So in an emotionally abusive relationship, instead of the woman looking at how the emotional abuse is affecting her, she will, number one, probably blame herself for the fact that her partner is criticizing her, for example. And then number two, she'll, she'll look at what can I do to help him? What can I do to make things better? So she's always focused on the other person, on the partner, and being empathetic and feeling sorry for him and reminding herself that, you know, he had a rough childhood and that's why he acts this way. But she doesn't give herself empathy. She doesn't give herself compassion, which I really encourage to help get them out of an emotionally abusive relationship, is to begin to have self-compassion or self-empathy where they say, you know, this is really terrible. This feels horrible to me to hear that. This feels, this feels horrible to me to be dealing with this with my partner. I don't deserve this. So uh, people who have empathy sickness have too much empathy for others and not enough for themselves. You know, it's a very common problem um, in even non-abusive relationships with um, just people who are caregivers. Um, and caring for people in multiple generations um, right. in their family, that they put themselves, I mean, you're right, in this situation um, where they're so empathetic, well, I shouldn't say anything. I mean, I ref- I tried to give my father his medication, and he threw it at me. Oh, but, you know, he has cancer, and he's sick, so, you know, I really shouldn't do anything or say anything. You know, yeah, so it, in that kind of a situation, sometimes the person you're caring for really can't help their, how they're acting. But that person would need to really give themselves self-compassion. Maybe they can't speak up. Because if you're working, if you have an Alzheimer parent or whatever, you're not going to speak up and it's not going to help if you do. But you do need to give yourself compassion and you do need to practice self-care. And self-compassion would be, gosh, it's really hard for me when I have to take care of my father and he acts like that. You know, just being really, com- you know, comforting yourself and, and knowing that you deserve to be cared for as much as you, you know, need to be the caregiver. So, Beverly, I will tell you, you're a woman after my own heart because I often end the show with asking someone, asking listeners to do just one thing for themselves this week, just one yeah. thing that they have to do for themselves. So I'm really, really happy to hear you say that. We're going to take a short break. When we're back, we're going to talk to Beverly um, about some of the remedies that she has in um, her book. Um, And we're going to talk a little more about the different forms of emotional abuse and what they look like and what we can do. Stay with us. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We've been talking to Beverly Engel, who is the author of Breaking the Cycle of Abuse, How to Move Beyond Your Past to Create an Abuse-Free Future. So, Beverly, I was telling you when we were offline that, you know, I've I've had many people in treatment, um, some men, but um, primarily women, who just appear, actually, it doesn't appear, they they go from one emotionally abusive relationship to another to another. It just doesn't seem to stop. Um, why do you think that is, and what advice would you have for them? Well, again, if you have... If you get out of one emotionally abusive relationship, uh, it's really important that you, you stop and have some time alone to figure out how did I get here? How did I, why did I choose this partner? Why did I stay as long as I did? Again, not blaming the victim, but, you know, I don't want to continue making this mistake, so what can I do differently next time? Okay? Um, one thing for sure is that uh, I always recommend that people uh, do an exercise where they make a list of their last partner, the last emotionally abusive partner, make a list of that person's characteristics, emotional characteristics, and make a list of that on one piece of paper, and then on another piece of paper, write their mother's characteristics, again, emotional characteristics, and then on a separate piece of paper, write their father's 
uh, characteristics. And then go look at those three lists, put them together, and see if there's any similarities. Uh, what typically happens, again, is that we repeat what was done to us or we re- repeat what was modeled to us. So um, usually when I have clients do that and I have them circle the similarities, they can see that they really are doing what Freud called the repetition compulsion, where they're get, they are attracted, unconsciously attracted, to someone who's like an abusive or neglectful partner, parent, and they're getting involved with somebody who is like that abusive or neglect, neglectful parent in hopes that they can get what they either get what they didn't receive as a child or they can somehow repair the, the relationship uh, with that abusive parent. So usually that's a good exercise. Now, there are people who will say, well, you know, I didn't see any similarities, but I have them go back and look at it again. Like they may have said, their father was a very angry man, and then they may have written down for their partner that he was impatient and often frustrated, and I just point out that, you know, people who are impatient and often frustrated are often very angry. So to, it may be different words, but it's the same idea. Okay, so that's number one, to really look at, am I repeating a pattern? Am I, you know, getting involved with one of my, you know, uh, am I really marrying my mother or marrying my father? Okay, um, and if that's the case, they need to do the work. That means do the work to repair their childhood. That may mean just coming out of denial about how their parent treated them. It's very, very difficult to admit that you had an abusive or neglectful parent. Uh, it may involve anger release. Um, so you never have to involve your parent within it. But to indirectly release your anger, that may mean an anger letter you never send. It may mean walking around the house just telling the parent off. But in some way, getting the anger out. And it might mean physically getting angry, you know, hitting a pillow or hitting their bed. Um, But it's really important to get anger out. Um, It may mean looking at how shamed they were by a parent. Shame is a horrendous result of of, of abuse and neglect as, as, ch- as, as a child. And if they were deeply shamed, then they need to start practicing self-compassion, which I can talk about more. Um, so, But they need to heal their childhood so that they don't repeat their childhood. Okay? So, you know, it's, I think it's very hard, Beverly, to not repeat it. I mean, I used to work years ago with an organization called Parents Anonymous, um, which is a therapist I thought was a great organization. And it was really designed for people who were abusers, um, whether it be children or whether it be other adults. But we always had in every group people who had not become abusive yet in their relationships, especially with children. They, they had maybe not even had children, but they were very fearful based on their own backgrounds um, that they would become abusive. I mean, how do, yeah. you, how do you address that? Well, it is imp- that's a really important thing. Um, some people, um, usually women, but can be men, uh, get involved with abusive partners because they have such a fear of becoming an abuser themselves. You know, again, if they if what they saw modeled was an abusive parent, it's like, am I going to be an abusive parent, an abusive partner, or am I going to be 
the victim. They only see two choices. I can either be an abuser or I can be a victim. We see that with domestic violence a lot, but it's also true with emotional abuse. So there is a fear that I will become abusive, and so one of the best ways of doing that is to get involved with someone who's very controlling, someone who's very dominant, and who won't let me become abusive. And usually then what that means is the other person, the partner they got involved with, will tend to be abusive. Beverly, we're I, unfortunately we're we're getting close to um, the end. Do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with us? Uh, I want to encourage people to learn about self compassion. It's one of the 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 best ways to deal with shame. And most people who were who are in abusive relationships tend to be what's called shame bound or. They tend to have been deeply shamed in childhood, and abusive people tend to rage and, and blame other people. An abusive person, if something goes wrong, will automatically go outside of themselves and look and see, why did, you know, if I'm not feeling good, why am I not feeling good? Because it's your fault. They'll, they'll externalize their shame. People who tend to be abused will internalize their shame and will always blame themselves. So healing your shame can help prevent you from either being an abuser or or being abused. Beverly, can you give us your contact information? Yes, my email address is beverly at beverlyengel.com. And your books, can we, I'm assuming we can buy them on Amazon? Absolutely. Yeah, my latest book is called It Wasn't Your Fault. Uh, and it is about self-compassion, about healing the shame of childhood abuse. And then, as you mentioned, I've got other, I've got the Nice Girl Syndrome and Breaking the Cycle. But I've got 21 books, actually, that Great. are all related to abuse. Well, Beverly, thank you so much. I really appreciate your being uh, with us today. And I like that exercise that you gave us. I had never heard that before. Um, And I think that's outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, thank you for doing your program and for your questions. Oh, thank you. We've been talking to Beverly Engel, uh, who's the author of Breaking the Cycle of Abuse. And one of the things that Beverly talked to us today was, you know, taking care of yourself. So whether you're in uh, an abusive relationship, and hopefully you are not in a verbally or emotionally abusive relationship, or whether you're just caregiving for someone, it is critical. It is critical uh, that you take care of yourself. So continue your emails to me at Dr. Merrill at generation, I'm sorry, Dr. Merrill at Court Between Generations.com. See, I'm, I was so wrapped up with what Beverly saying, I forget my own email. Um, and if you would, leave us a review on Facebook and as uh, usual on Friday mornings uh, at around 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, I'm giving you some further comments and um, some tips on Facebook Live. So I hope that you'll join us. Once again, it's Dr. Merrill. Just do one thing. It could be a little thing. It could be that you're just going to walk outside and breathe some fresh air and and just take a minute, just a minute for yourself. It doesn't need to be an hour. Sometimes just a few minutes once a day is all you need. Take good care of yourself. You're really important. I want you to do that. 
Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.